Good morning, everyone. This is your boy, uh, David, a.k.a. Preacher Man. And today, I'm officially bringing out the um, the title, um, or podcast, I'm sorry, um, called Racism and Camouflage. But this is part three because I've been doing a lot of different parts to kind of uh, bring this uh, about. Um, first off, I want to also state before this gets started that um, I want to give all my listeners a shout out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everything that you guys are doing. Um, also, uh, if you want, you can always subscribe uh, to my podcast um, and, and do it for 99 cents a month. Uh, that That's only 99 cents a month. And that goes to help um, me with uh, more research and things of that nature. Um, that's the lowest one that there is. And I, I would um, so, uh, look look to asking you all to uh, go in. Uh, if you if you have the 99 cents to spare, then go and subscribe and uh, help us out um, as far as getting us to research and being able to research and things of that nature. Uh, but I'm about to get started here. Um, racism and camouflage. Racism and camouflage uh, is going to cover a couple things, a couple different organizations. Um and it's not to bring shame. Again, it's not to bring shame. I also want to say this is not a podcast for the faint of heart or anybody who gets um, uh, uh, bent out of shape over opinions. Uh, I, I want to say that right now. Um, and if you are, don't comment on my <laughs> on, on my uh, podcast because you're just being being honest. Your comments uh, won't be taken into consideration because. Some of the things I'm going to talk about is going to it's going to touch some nerves on some people. It's going to do those things, and I want to get that out the way uh, before I get started. Also, you know, you can follow me um, at Fraser Chronicles on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. I'm also on all podcasting platforms. So just a little bit of that um, to get uh, let everyone know, and um, I want everybody to understand that I'm talking about racism. Uh, here in the 21st century, I'm talking about racism um, in beginning centuries and things of that nature. So the podcast will cover those things. So don't turn that dial. Sit back, turn it up, enjoy it no matter where you're at. If you're in your office, you're in your car, um, throughout your day, cutting the grass or whatnot. I, I would want a lot of Americans, uh, black, white, Chinese, Hispanic, I don't care what race you are, to actually listen to this and just gain some knowledge. Uh, that's what this is about, about gaining knowledge and some truths. And um, and here it goes. We're about to start. Um, so first things first, um, as Americans, both black and white, um, we have been conditioned uh, or brainwashed to believe the lies that have been put out by people um, here in America who sit in high places and who sit in some of the high seats that uh, govern uh, our government, that govern our congressmen and women, that govern our educational system, that governs our economic, uh, uh, excuse me, economics. Um, and, and it's a fact um, because most people, when I'm about to talk about, some don't know about, some might have heard about, and some just don't care about. So, um, Again, I, I said what I said, and I mean what I said. Um, it's people like me who was on, who's out to hunt the truth and bring you the truth. Um, one of the uh, aspects that I want to do uh, get to is um, our, our branch of service, our military. There's a lot of history that a lot of people, black people um, at that, don't understand, don't know about. And um, 
I think that it's important. I mean, white people as well, it's important to know these facts uh, because um, we won our military fights together. Um, it's made up of whites. It's made up of blacks. It's made up of uh, Asians and all different type of cultures. And it's important that we understand this because we are a group of people who work together to protect our country from enemies, both foreign and domestic. And that's what we're told. Um, but the truth is we have a military that is divided on color of a person's skin tone, divided on nationality, divided on gender, divided on um, rank, divided on socioeconomical standpoints, your, your, you know, your, your beliefs of Democrat, Republican, none, whatever, your uh, religion, okay? Um, and, and then we, we're sent to fight senseless wars. Uh, but we have a, a war right in our ranks. You know, no one wants to address or talk about it because of the repercussions that come with it. You know, and when I look at someone who doesn't stand for what is right because they're afraid of the punishment that could or would come down, to me, it's considered a slave job. And I don't care what uh, nobody says, um, you become a slave to it. You know, the, the, the organization um, is the master. Okay, They're, they govern you. They govern what you can say. They govern your feelings. They govern your thoughts. And people and, and organizations that are like this don't really understand uh, that you, as a person, have a right to address. Okay, address the issues, to address the situations, to address the circumstances. And a lot of times, jobs. Uh, organizations when they're created with race, racist tension in it and ra- based off of racist um, uh, theology, um, they tend to control the people by fear. They control them by telling them, well, if you do this, you'd get this. And if you do that, you'll do that. It's almost like the, uh, 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 what's that, uh, quid pro quo, this for that, okay? And and, and, and here it's the same thing, uh as far as the quid pro quo go, people say, well, the quid pro quo talks about the this for that. Well, if you do this, you get that. That's, I mean, that's in a nutshell. Um, everybody talks about we're bringing uh, damnation to an organization. Organizations bring damnation to themselves. People that are in organizations bring damnations to an organization when they do things that go against the rights of people against the Constitution, against the, uh, the rights of, 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 of people of color, of different nationalities, of different religions, and, and that, that brings shame. And when we can't talk about that, then obviously we know there's a problem in high places where high people sit and they don't address it. And, 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 and as blacks, you know, when it comes to the military, we serve in a military um, <clears throat> that we feel gives us great opportunities. You know, just to get in the military and realize that things is all about black and white. You know, when you look at the walls across our military, and I will say, you know, in some places, um, I have seen walls. And when I'm talking about walls, I'm talking about the leadership because leadership takes pictures. Um, when I look at some of the walls and some of these units, I, 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 the unit I was in, and when I go around other places and I look, you know, you see a lot of whites. It's full of whites who have advanced in the rankings. And you look at the walls, it tells a story that uh, white supremacy is alive and well in the military in the 21st century, just like it was in the early centuries. And people could try to tell me that it's not. It is the only thing that controls some of them is their livelihood, you know, their their um, possibility of 
um, them being moved. I'm not going to say that rank being taken because a lot of times I've seen high ranks, they get moved. They don't get rank taken. So I will leave that there uh, for people to uh, comment and address and say what they feel. They can bash, say what you want. Don't care. Um, now I want to move to something. Uh, one of the questions that a lot of people have asked me uh, when I was do- coming out with the research, was doing a lot of things, was gearing up to address it. Because um, as we know, it was supposed to be a, a broadcast back in January. Here it is, it's March. And it took a lot of different research. So I wanted to ask, answer some of the questions. So the question that someone asked me, he said, what did it look like in the early centuries for black veterans? And I, and I said, okay, cool. Let me address that. So thousands of black veterans were acoustic, assaulted, and attacked, and many were lynched. Um, this was a war on blacks that wasn't addressed. It still has not been addressed, and in this podcast is why I would address it. But yet the black men and women who served in our armed forces was in a war with the foreign enemy as well as a domestic enemy. And everyone that has served or has been put through the process or knows anybody that served, we all know there's an oath that each member of the military is sworn in on. And you know, you state your name, you solemnly swear, or you affirm if you don't swear uh, that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, both foreign and domestic, that I will bear faith and alliance to the same, and that I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of the officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. Uh, So help me God, when you take this oath, okay, listen to me. See, I'm digging into some things that are deep. When you take this oath, you take it with a sense of pride. And everybody that has has stood in our recruiting offices and been to uh, the end process and the MEPS and have been able to take this oath, such as I have myself in my earlier years of at the age of 24, um, you, you know, you get it with pride, okay? And you do it, you know, uh, feeling that, I'm going to be doing something great. I'm about to take the oath. I'm about to protect my and serve my country. I'm about to work alongside black, white, Hispanics, all types of cultures, and we're going to get along, right? That's not the case, right? So this is until you face some of the harsh realities about the people you serve with who are not the same color as you, who are racist, and who do things to you that you know goes against your personal beliefs. Um, those black men and women who took this oath as well as their white counterparts, but yet no one, not even Congress, who approved the oaths, stepped in to acknowledge the race war on the ones causing this injustice that black men and women had to face in the South near military bases, nor on the military bases. See, that that's what I'm that's 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 what really uh, triggered me doing my research is the people that sit in these high places that make the rules and regulations. And I'm not talking about the people who uphold them. I'm talking about the ones who actually put pen to paper. Okay, the ones that get on their computers and they're daily changing rules and regulations and bylaws and articles and all this other stuff. Those are the ones I'm talking about. So if you're if you're in the military right now and you're upholding the laws or upholding the rules and regulations, I'm not talking about you right now. Okay, not talking about you right now. But I will get to you in a second. So don't think that oh well I'm 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 covered. You're not gonna talk about me. I'm gonna get to you in a minute. 
They don't protect. They don't. They don't come and say, you know, what you did was wrong. They don't do that. I understand there's millions and millions of people out here, but my thing is, you wrote rules and regulations that only covers one particular group. I will say that, and I know that to be facts, not fiction. I know that to be facts. I mean, even when it comes down to the dress uh, and appearance, the appearance, the hairstyles you can have. Yes, I said it, the hairstyles you can have. They want certain hairstyles that you have to follow. And I understand they don't want hair-touching cars. I got that. I understand that wholeheartedly. But there are certain hairstyles you will not be allowed to wear in the military, no matter what branch you're in. And I don't care what you say. Okay, you say what you want to say to me. You can come to me. You can write me. And as a matter of fact, I, let me give you let me give you my email so you can pull up your phone or on your laptop or wherever you at. Pull up another screen and you can go ahead and write podcaster at frasierchronicles.com and you can go ahead and voice your opinion on racism and camouflage and how you feel about it and what what what. And I'll look at it and I will address you um, as I see fit. Okay. These blacks, when they were going through this stuff, okay, these blacks had to stand together, even though the white racist South caused trouble in the way of black men and women in uniform. This shows me that the enemy that is domestic doesn't have to worry about being put to death or being punished. That's what that shows me. That's what that shows me. You know, uh, I have some more history and, and facts, knowledge. These people that I'm going to address and talk about, you can go and look up things that have happened. One, I'm gonna, first thing I'm going to talk about is black veteran lynched on, military, uh, on Fort uh, Benning, military installation. Uh, here we're in the 21st century. This happened back in 1941. This case has not been solved, uh, and I will address that. Let me go ahead and give you that information, okay? A black 19-year-old soldier whose name was Private Felix Hall, was lynched back in the year of 1941, okay? He went missing on February 12th, okay? But his body wasn't found until March 28th, 1941. Stop, I'm going to stop there. We all know that if you're missing or anything has come up with you, that's considered an AWOL, okay? That's considered AWOL, and your unit's supposed to start finding you. Don't know how March 28th came into the effect of uh, uh, being found when went missing in February on, on the 12th, okay? So that's a whole month that went by in some days. But anyway, I'm going to keep going. His body wasn't found until March 28th, 1941, by a platoon of the 20th Engineer Regiment who was said to be training in the woods, he was, hang, he was found hanging from a tree. Hanging, guys, ladies and gentlemen, hanging, okay? That means he was lynched, okay? Not to mention the FBI has not solved this case as of January 2020, but I'm going to move it forward as of March of 2020 because we're here in March and I have not seen or heard anything come out of this. And as we know... There were some things that happened. This 19-year-old had gotten to it, uh, supposedly with his his commanding uh, his commanding officer that was in charge of him. His commanding officer then threatened to have him killed. Okay, and 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 things of that nature. Uh, and again, like I said, this has not 
been solved. This case is still open or it's been closed. Let me let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. It's been closed and probably will not be open until someone uh, like me whose podcast is shared and, and, and they get a glimpse of it might open the case back up, which I'm hoping they will and go forward, okay, and find out after all these years what happened and go ahead and if the people are dead that caused this they're dead and you know go ahead and get this thing done and i I feel you know should be awarded something uh the people that family should be awarded something in this case uh that's just how in my opinion if i was in charge and sitting in the high seats i would some something i would give you something i don't not gonna say i wouldn't because I'm, i'm a firm believer since 1941 you can't get something solved in all these years tells me something but okay uh, anyway, moving on, black soldiers uh, were lynched here in America. So I'm still giving you some early things of what happened and what's, what soldiers were going through. In August of 1898, a black army a private named James Neely was shot to death by a mob of white men in Hampton, Georgia, for protesting a white storekeeper's refusal to serve him at the soda counter. Okay, so he was killed uh, because of his protesting, because of White person didn't want to serve him at the soda counter in Hampton, Georgia, back in 1898. Um, in Hickman, uh, Kentucky, a recently discharged black soldier named Charles Lewis was lynched in uniform in December of 1918, just weeks after the end of World War I. Uh, Mr. Lewis was standing on the street in his uniform when a white police officer began harassing him and claimed he fit the description of a robbery suspect. When Mr. Lewis insisted that he was a soldier with no reason to rob anyone, the officer accused him of assault and arrested him. The next morning, a mob of white men broke into the jail, seized Mr. Lewis, and hanged him. Sure, no punishment was given out for that. In August of 1944, see, I'm giving you history, guys. Facts. In August of 1944, the white owner of a small restaurant, Shadeport, Louisiana, Shot and wounded four black soldiers he claimed attempted to take over his place. He faced no charges. Again, history. I'm giving you history. We're talking about people in uniform, military, right? Um, just show. But anyway, let's move forward. And I'm going through history, guys, so follow me. In 1947, a black Navy veteran named Joe Nathan Roberts studying at Temple University, um, he's studying, so that means he's in school, Temple University, through the GI Bill, was visiting family in Sardis, Georgia, when a group of white men became upset because he refused to call them sir. Something that we see in the military, won't, well, won't address it right now, but later that night, the men abducted Mr. Roberts from his parents' home and shot him to death because he didn't call him sir. Wow. 1947, guys, ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving you facts. Um, don't turn that down. Don't turn that down because you're feeling a little uh, itchy in your stomach or you're feeling like there's some hate crimes going on. Ain't no hate right now. I'm not hating on nothing. I'm just giving you some facts. There's some hate crimes in this, but, you know, I'm giving you facts. I'm not causing an uproar, America. Don't, don't think that, ladies and gentlemen, black, white, Hispanic, or whatever color you want to be. Don't think that I am causing any uproars. I'm just giving facts. Facts that should have been put out. Okay? This stuff should have been put out, but it hasn't. So anyway, moving on. In 1948, 
a group of white men shot and killed a 20-year-old, 28-year-old black veteran named Isaiah Nixon outside of his home and in front of his wife and six children. Just hours after he defied threats and, and voted in the local primary election in Montgomery County, Georgia, two white men arrested and, and, and charged with his death were later acquitted by all-white juries. Something we see today in America, 21st century, right? But this happened in 1948. No change. This shows that the laws are not as much for blacks, but it favors whites and the crimes that they commit are allowed um, they are allowed to get away with. Uh, we see this here in the 21st century. We see this with police brutality. We see this with police shootings of whites killing blacks here in America. And you know what they say? If you're listening, blacks, listen closely. This is what they say. Well, blacks are killing each other in their own neighborhoods. So why can't we? Anyway, moving on. I don't want to stay on that too long. I don't want to dwell on that too long because I feel the tension. I want to now address uh, the uh, address the UCMJ, uh, which stands for Uniform Code of Military Justice, that our great military has and that our great leaders of Congress have put into play. Um, and I, I'm going to address that. Um, I don't feel that it is a fair system. Um, I myself have been under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, not once, not twice, but about three, four, maybe four times, and I will just keep it there. Uh, first, I want to say that the UCMJ isn't one that gives a fair trial to black soldiers, and you have some history that shines light on it, and it is something called the Houston Riot of 1917, and anyone that knows me knows that I speak facts. And this Houston riot of 1917, uh, before, I, I want to mention that it was over 100 and <clears throat> 100 and something, I want to say 100 and, uh, 156 um, soldiers. Um, uh, of the 3rd Battalion of the Black, of the all-black 24th uh, Infantry Regiment uh, that, were his, that were members of the Houston uh, Police Department, harassed members of the local black community and the black soldiers who attempted to intervene um, on some things that were going on. Um, I, I would tell you guys to look it up. Um, to get some clarification, more clarification on it, so that you can understand what the Houston riot of 1917 was, okay? And um, it's it's out, <clears throat> and I will just give you a little bit of of information. In the spring of 1917, shortly after the United States the United States declared war on Germany, the War Department, taking advantage of the temperate climate and newly opened Houston Ship Channel, ordered two military installations built in Harris County, Camp Logan, and Ellington Field. The Illinois National Guard was to train at Camp Logan, located on the northwest skirts of the city, to, go, to guard the construction site. On January 27th of 1917, the Army ordered the 3rd Battalion of the Black 24th United States Infantry to travel by train with seven white officers from the regimental encampment at Columbus, New Mexico, to Houston. 
From the onset, from the outset, sorry, the black contingent faced racial discrimination when they received passes to go into the city. A majority of the men had been raised in the South and were familiar with segregation, but as Army servicemen, they expected equal treatment. Those individuals responsible for keeping order, especially the police, streetcar conductors, and public officials, viewed the presence of black soldiers as a threat to racial harmony. Many Houstonians thought that if the black soldiers were shown the same respect as white soldiers, black residents of the city might come to expect similar treatment. That just lets you know right there what was going on. I will keep reading. Black soldiers were willing to abide by the legal restrictions imposed by segregated practices, but they resented the manner in which the laws were enforced. They disliked having to stand in the rear of streetcars when vacant seats were available in the white section and resented the racial slurs heard at them by white laborers at Camp Logan. Some police officers regularly harassed African Americans, both soldiers and civilians. Most black Houstonians concealed their hostility and endured the abuse, but a number of black soldiers openly expressed their resentment. The police recognized the plight of the enlisted men, but did little to alert civil authorities to growing tensions. When they sought ways to keep the enlisted men at the camp, the blacks disliked this exchange of their freedom from racial peace. On August of 20, 23rd of 1917, a riot erupted in Houston. Near noon, two Policemen arrested a black soldier for interfering with the arrest of a black woman in the 4th Ward. Early in the afternoon, when Corporal Charles Baltimore, one of the 12 black military policemen with the battalion, inquired about the soldier's arrest. Words were exchanged and a policeman hit Baltimore over the head. The MPs fled. The police fired at at Baltimore three times, chased him into an unoccupied house, and, and, and took him to police headquarters. Though he was released, he was soon released, a rumor quickly reached Camp Logan that he had been shot and killed. A group of soldiers decided to march on the, on the police station in the 4th Ward and secure his release. If the police could assault a model soldier like Baltimore, they reasoned none of them was safe from abuse. Major Snow, battalion commander, initially discounted the news of impeding trouble around 8 p.m. Sergeant Harry of 1st Company confirmed the rumors. In Neyland ordered the first sergeant to collect all rifles and search the camp for loose ammunition. During this process, a soldier suddenly screamed that a white mob was approaching the camp. Black soldiers rushed into the supply tents, grabbed rifles, and began firing wildly in the direction of supposed mob. The white officers found it impossible to restore order. Sergeant Henry led over 100 armed soldiers toward downtown Houston by way of Broomer Avenue and San Felipe Street into the 4th Ward. In their two-hour march on the city, the mutinous blacks killed 15 whites, including four policemen, and seriously wounded 12 others, one of whom a a policeman subsequently died. Four black soldiers also died. Two were accidentally shot by their own men, one in camp and the other on San Felipe Street. After they had killed Captain Mattis of the Illinois National Guard, obviously mistaking him for a policeman, the blacks began quarreling over a corpse of action. After two hours, Henry advised the man to slip into camp into the darkness and shot himself in the head. On the next morning of August 24th, civil authorities imposed a curfew in Houston. On the 25th, the Army hustled the 3rd Battalion of Brody Train to Columbus, New Mexico. There, seven black mutineers agreed to testify against the others in exchange of clemency, for clemency. Between the November 1st of 1917 and March 26, 1918, the Army had three separate court-martials in the chapel at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio. 
The military tribunals indicated one. 118 enlisted men of first company for participating in mutiny and riot and found 110 guilty. It was wartime and the sentences were harsh. 19, listen guys now, 19 mutinous soldiers were hanged and 63 received life sentences in federal prison. One was judged incompetent to stand trial. Two white officers faced court martials, but they were released. No white civilians were brought to trial. The Houston riot of 1917 was one of the saddest chapters in military <clears throat> in the history of American race relations. It vividly illustrated the problems that the nation struggled with on the home front during wartime. I, wa- I want to say something. I really want to say something. And I'm going to say what I got to say. When I look at this, and this is they they were they were they, this was a court martial article 15 court martial guys ladies and gentlemen this was an article 15 court martial and these people that allowed this to happen okay they allowed this stuff to happen they allowed this stuff to happen and when i look at it i i get very upset because i feel in my mind and in my soul is that we have a we we have a a a a standard to uphold and we have to make sure that people are not being messed over like this and i mean yeah changes came at at, at points after all of this stuff happened and um some you know some things would change but again that's that's my opinion and i feel that you know there are people here in the, that that are in the military now who do this type of stuff they give out article 15 based off of people's color skin whatever they want to call it and they don't really uh, they don't really understand that this is not a game, you know. This is something that happens, and a lot of the times, um, when UCMJ is put handled handed down, and you you can do UCMJ, you get UCMJ, you can go in front of your commander, or you can go to a court martial. Um, when you stand in front of your commander, most of them are not trained on investigations. They're not trained on that stuff. They're just they they have their back of their their other leader ship counterparts and if their leadership counterparts is wrong it doesn't matter um and i think that a lot of that needs to be changed i feel that if you want to give an article 15 then everybody go to a front of a, a front of the courts and the reason i say that is because it keeps out a lot of that stuff and i'm not going to say that every trial is going to be fair because as i know everything is not fair every part every everybody's not um inclined to understanding how to do certain things especially when it comes out to do this and what i will say is this all of you people that have given out UCMJ and have lied, you're as guilty as the people in this factual story. To the leaders in high places that dished out harsh punishments to black soldiers without a true investigation, but based it off the color of their skin, not on true facts, I have to say that I don't respect you. I won't respect you. And you will never get my respect. And that's how I feel because I am a firm believer that you don't you don't mess people over, you know, and I just feel, I mean, I was messed over when I was given Article 15 through in my career at some point, you know, um, different occasions. Uh, one where equipment was lost and it was said that I, I lost it. I was given Article 15. I entrusted, listen, guys, I entrusted my command team to, if you're going to give me Article 15 for me to stand in front of you, I'm trusting that you're going to do the right thing. But facts was that I was when I was standing in front of that commander at that time, you know, on a deployment, um, 
I was doing everything based off the good faith of the military. You know, everything was, you know, um, loyalty and duty and respect and honor, integrity, selfless service, personal courage, all these things, right? I'm, I'm thinking that, oh, man, it's going to be, I'm going to go here and um, I'm going to be able to um, get a fair trial. You know, I was not given any paperwork, whereas if you go to a regular court hearing, uh, there's paperwork, there's people's statements, there's all these things. Well, when I went, there was no statements. Throughout my whole Article 15, there was no paperwork, there was no statements, there was nothing. Truthfully, there was nothing. Um, no proof was presented, nothing. And at the time, I was E4 promotable. I was doing good trying to, you know, go up in the rank to become a NCO, a sergeant, so that I can uh, lead soldiers because I have leadership capabilities, and I knew that I had those from prior jobs and prior careers I was in before I went into the Army. But anyway, um, without the proof presented and with me having good faith in the leadership that I was under uh, and being found guilty of all speculations, even though I know to this day, um, as I get this podcast, I was not... Um, guilty of it um, I was then demoted from E4 to E3 And uh, after that I'll tell you exactly what my the first sergeant said He wasn't mine but I was under them at the time He said to me to not be Mad or upset you know And the commander said those same words You know and I told them you know with all due respect I, I want to get out the army because I felt That you know If this is what this organization is about People going to Get an article 15, stand in front of the commander and having good, and as a soldier, having good faith in the leadership that is over me because I'm expecting them to uphold the standards because they, you know, the expectation is that I uphold the standards, you know, being, being a lower listed, you know. Um, they didn't, they didn't do that. So I, I wanted to get out, you know, and I felt that I don't want to be a part of an organization that do things like that because my beliefs, I'm a Christian, my beliefs is, um, you know, um, to do unto others as you will have them do unto you. And I felt that me, if I wanted somebody to treat me right, then I obviously got to be doing other folks right, right? And I just couldn't see myself moving up and then messing people over. I couldn't see myself doing it. So I I wanted to get out, you know? And that was, that was one of the biggest things about um, the UCMJ that I found was it wasn't based off of facts. It, it's based off of... Um, it, it, it can be. It's based off of you know a skin tone. Um, it's based off of many many different things. The reason I say um, skin tone, skin color, is because there were I was in a um, unit, um, moving to a new unit um, where black two black soldiers smoked weed and and yes I'm saying this on live. This is my podcast. I can do what I want. Anyway, two black soldiers smoked weed and one white soldier smoked weed and they demoted the two black soldiers and demoted kicked them out. And the white soldier, he did it, and they kept him in. And um, both of these, all of these soldiers went before, you know, field grade Article 15, befriended the lieutenant colonel who was white, and she kicked both of those black soldiers out and wanted to keep this white guy in. He came back, you know, to the unit laughing and saying that, oh, she wanted us to, she wanted me to um, go to the board the next month. This is the white soldier talking, guys, and I... I knew that this organization right then and there proved my point. It proved what I was saying. It proved how I felt. It proved everything that I've had on the inside of me, that there is no loyalty, that people, because they're white, want to stay 
in these privileged positions. And I call it privileged positions because as long as whites stay in it, they're going to keep moving whites up. And blacks, you're just going to have to fight a lot harder. And I'm not saying that you don't want to fight, but it's it's no way. It's no way. This same commander uh, that kept the, that kept these two black soldiers out and kept the white soldier in is the one I sent my appeal letter to. Uh, I sent an appeal letter, guys. I sent appeal because I was like, hey, I'm not guilty. There's no evidence. There's no proof. And instead of her addressing the proof of me getting article, you know, of of the punishment, meaning if I, and when I say proof, I'm saying if you're gonna punish me, then have proof to back it up. And there was no proof to back it up. But anyway, she went on ahead and she denied. And and what she said on that appeal was the punishment wasn't harsh. And when you tell me racism is a present um, in our military, you, you're lying to me. And ignoring the fact that the judicial system isn't truthfully based on facts. It's based on skin color. Uh, we even see it in our own justice system on the outside. Blacks and whites can do the same crime. Whites get less less time. Blacks get the harsher time. And, 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 and that's what I found myself in. And I felt like somebody who's been convicted of a crime that didn't commit it, but here you got to stay. You, you, you're going to do the time even though you didn't commit the crime. And that's how I felt. And now I understand bitterness about somebody being found guilty of something they didn't do. Yeah, you got all the rights to be bitter because no one's listening. And that's another reason that that's another reason that I started getting into the podcast because being a voice is is one thing, but being a voice and not scared to voice your voice and your opinion and other people's opinion and facts and things like that, that makes a difference. You know, there's a lot of people out here who podcast, but they, they're scared of facts. They're scared of telling the truth. So they just they, they just give you a lot of flack, and that's not something that I'm going to do. You know, and, and at the same time, um, years, years before all this stuff happened, my commander, he lost some equipment. And, I, and I'll say what I got to say. He lost some equipment, and we was in training. training. And um, he wasn't giving any form of punishment. You know, and that's, and that's what I call a good old white, good old military system. You know, and people could say, well, you're a racist. I'm not racist at all. I'm calling facts and I'm calling spades because when I play spades, I call a spade a spade. I don't call it a, a doggone um, a heart. That's not what it is. It's a spade. And that's what I'm doing on my podcast. Everything is a spade is a spade. You know, and then I got my second article 15. Uh, me and a soldier, me too, me and a soldier got into it. And to this day, it's, this is facts, guys. Me and a soldier got into it. And we're about the same rate. This after I got the money, I got back to the um, the states and stuff like that, and I'm back in my unit. And um, me and him, we use profane language towards each other. We cussed each other out, and it went from me cussing, me and him cussing each other out, to me just being the one getting punished because I had two NCOs and a and a lieutenant who lied on me. And I say that they lied on me um, about saying that I cussed them out. Now, there's no way in hell that I would cuss three of y'all out. It's no way in hell. Come on now, let, let's let's that's facts. You know, I'm, me and a soldier get into it over some damn rocks. We got into it over some rocks. Uh, we, the rocks had fallen. It was inside of a little. Um, they was inside of a box. I never forget. And we were we was in the field. And I guess you know later on I found out that this soldier was their favorite. And, you know, more more power to them as they go in the military and go amongst their careers and get promoted and all those good things. Um, again, there's no hate, you know. So, anyway, um, th- this happened, and 
I told them what happened. I told my commander what happened, and he told me as soon as I told him what happened. Yeah, I told your leadership to give you an article fifteen and to, to you know give it to me and all this other stuff. So I already knew that I was you know um, giving all the you know going. I was gonna face some UCMJ punishment. And when they got back and wrote up the statements, you know one one NCO lied and and the LT lied, and, and I'm sitting here looking at man, this is paperwork that y'all got y'all lying on. You know y'all lied on it. So now they now they're trying to go back and change it. You know they went back, changed it, and, and made it. And you could tell that basically the LT wrote it because in the beginning you could tell the English and the grammar were all messed up. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying what I'm saying. Keep it real. Keep it hot with you. And it was all messed up and stuff like that. And then I had went on to uh, to the hearing. You know I went to the Article 15 hearing after months. You know I was supposed to go to Hunter Army Airfield, but after months I went on to the Article 15 hearing and I told him I want a court martial. I said, I want to court-martial this. You know, just like that, I'm like, court-martial. And I went with my gut feeling, court-martial, because I'm like, and I told my commander why. I was like, because all you're going to do is you're going to demote me, not off of, not based off of a fact, but based off of, because your leadership here. You know what I'm saying? So you got to look out for them. And I understand you got to look out for them, but at the same time, I, I don't understand. You know what I'm saying? You call a spade a spade, and that's what I feel like a lot of people in the military they don't do. You know, they don't call no spade, no spade, man. They, they don't care. You know what I'm saying? They call a spade a heart. You know, that's that's how they do. If we're the same thing, I'm calling my spade a heart. You know, man, that's how we're going to do it. And the real somebody. So anyway, I went there. I was like, court martial. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to go in front of the judge. You know, and, they, and I know they didn't have no proof. So after my first one, I knew, you know, don't play, don't fall into these traps again. Just go ahead, go go to court and, and let them bring out the proof. And that means the other soldier had to be there, and other soldiers and everybody else had to be there that was there. So, you know, my, my, my first sergeant, look, guys, let me tell you how this happened. So my first sergeant was like, wait, because I'm about to sum up my name. I'm about to sign off on the paper and everything. And the first sergeant said, hold on, what, wait, what are we doing? Hold on, what are you doing? And I told him, I said, well, I'm doing this because I already know y'all going to derail me. You know, I, I'm already, I, I, my first Article 15, they, they gave me, they um had no proof and they demoted me. So I already knew what was what it was. So anyway, make a long story short, I went on ahead and, 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 and kind of just gave in to see what they were going to do. Because I said, well, if they tried to mock me, then I could tell them that, you know, I, was, I this is what I wanted, and this is what happened, and they, they, they told me not to do it. You know what I'm saying? You got to play the cards right. So anyway, he, my commander at the time, he put me on no restriction or whatever, you know, don't do this. And, and that's another thing I don't like. I didn't like was somebody can put me on restriction. Like, I'm a grown man. You put me on restriction. Come on now. That's, that's a slave, man. I'm not no slave to you. You know, I ain't do nothing wrong. Me and the soldier got into it. Again, I took another punishment that I ain't do. You know what I'm saying? Me and the soldier got into it. Ain't no way I, I cussed out an LT and two NCOs. I ain't had no beef with them. There wasn't no reason for me to cuss them out, right? So, anyway, I, I went on here, took a little punishment, whatever, that they wanted to give me. And I'm sitting there, you know, I'm I'm, in, I'm walking away, man. I'm in disbelief a little bit because I'm like, man, there's no way that I, I keep getting derailed. You know, and I, like people can say, well, that was your fault. You shouldn't da-da-da-da. But at the same time, no, man. I, I'm like... No, uh-uh. So anyway, the other soldier never got no punishment, no UCMJ, no nothing, you know. And then my third Article 15, uh, I mean, I know y'all like, dang, man, 
Come on, what's going on? You the podcaster. You ain't public. Man, I'm publicizing all of this stuff. This is life. This is real life. This what this what I'm about. Real life. I'm about facts. No lies. All right. So my third article 15, I was given by LT, who was new to the unit, you know, and and they kind of fed him some false information and stuff about me. And that's a, and that's how a lot of the times article 15s come about, man. It's a new leader can come in and. People start spreading the word about who your good ones are and who, who ain't. And that's the, I call that the brainwash system. That's the brainwash system. I don't do no brainwash system. And whatever, he decided to give me R2, uh, uh, 15 for supposedly not renting the problem, uh, proper customs and courtesy and, and being disrespectful toward the NCO. And I'm going to tell y'all what happened. So, again, I, I was supposed to go to Hunter Army Airfield out in uh, Savannah, Georgia, you know, and... Because of being under that UCMJ flag for a long time, they just, whatever, they stopped it, you know, and it stops your career progression. You know, your career progression stopped with these flags. So if you're in the military right now and you listen to this, just don't get flagged, you know what I'm saying? But anyway, I'm going to keep moving. Um, I went to the NCO that lied because all because all the other liars got out of Dodge, you know what I'm saying? They were going to be recruiters and all types of stuff. And then the LT had went on, he went to Washington, somewhere in Washington. And I'm like, man, all these people getting up out of here, but this one NCO, he was trying to get up out of there too. And when I asked the NCO, you know, why he lied on me, he began to tell the truth. This was in a room full of all my peers, you know what I'm saying? He began to tell the truth about what happened that day in the field. And I said, sorry, you're telling the truth, but that's not what you wrote in your statement. And then he was like, oh, I need to go get my statement off a computer. And I'm not talking, I'm not bragging and saying this to be bad. That's not what I'm doing. I'm just trying to give you some insights. And I was like, yes, you, you, you do need to get that off that computer. Um, so, so the LT was on the phone. This is the new LT. He was on the phone or whatever. So me and the NCO going on. And, um, so I, get, I you know, I, I, so I gave him the words he needed to hear, you know, cause he, he this is what the LT said to me. He said, you are not yelling at my NCO. You not disrespect my NCO. And I told the LT straight. I was like, LT, I was like, Lieutenant, I, I said what I said to him and I ain't going to address that. I ain't going to say what I said that cause I don't need to be no big guy. Ain't no big guy. This ain't no matter of me being big. It's a matter of facts. So I told him what I needed to tell him, you know. And in the next morning, uh, they, they, you know, they gave me the article 15. I told him I'm not signing it. You sign, I just need a copy. So uh, he did it. Uh, a couple weeks went by. He came back with another article 15. And I guess he wanted me to sign it. He said, yeah, the commander said, see, this, this, I'm showing you something right here. Derailing people. He said, the commander said something about the thing, something went right in the paperwork. Something went right. But when I got it, it was the same thing. It was the same, same old reading. I told him again, not signing it. I just need a copy. So anyway, make a long story short. Some way, somehow, I went to my sergeant major and, um, and stuff like that and talked to him. But I did, but truth, truth be told, I'm going to tell y'all, man, I give credit where credit is due. Man, and I hope that this NCO listening to this broadcast truthfully because um, an NCO, man, I never forget his name, man, Sergeant Hunt. You know, um, he knew me before a lot of this stuff happened to me. I knew a lot about me, man, and, and my work ethic, and I wasn't no bad soldier. Truthfully, honestly, I wasn't. I was not. And I, and I believe a lot of people tell you that. I believe that to be facts, okay? He uh he told he he basically made the moves for me to go to his unit or not his unit but his squad um still in the same unit um and he had put another sergeant over me son uh Peppers one of one of the, my good friends um even now I'm out now um over me and I never got in trouble over there you know I never never got in trouble man and 
I mean, and, and I, I did, there were times I did want to just give up, you know, but they always inspired me, you know, and they were black soldiers themselves, you know, they inspired me, you know, keep my head up, you know, I mean, there were days I felt down because I'm like, every time I look around, it's something going on, I mean, and, and I know that it's a lot of people out here that go through stuff, and I understand that people do make mistakes, but I'm getting Article 15s not for mistakes, man, I'm getting them for, for because you feeling some type of way. You know, and people might say, well, you said something to the LT. Well, one thing about me is this. I'm an outspoken person, and I stand for what's right. I say what's right. And if anybody ever have a problem with that, I will address that. And I hope they will try to address that with me, too, because I'm going to address you. I'm going to get you straight. I'm going to set you straight. I'm going to set the record straight. And that's how I am. But anyways, man, I want to give a shout-out before I move on to uh, Sarah Hunt. You know, if he listening or hear this broadcast, man, for real, I want to give a shout out to Sergeant Peppers, man. Like, for real, those those people who helped me through the process, you know, and there were a lot of other soldiers in the background um, that, that were talking to me at the same time. But ain't nothing like, like ain't nothing like good leadership. Ain't nothing like people who know you, your work ethics, man, and actually put put the moves in. You know, it's like chest and like and like um and, and checkers. You know, you move your right pieces at the right time, and if you move the wrong piece at the wrong time, things can get out of whack. And sometimes you got to rebound, and that's what they always told me, man. It's about rebounding. It's about, you know, uh, bouncing back. And ever since then, my bounce back was, all right, time to move forward. Time for me to find a new career. Time to do something that I like. And at that time, I didn't have no mouthpiece, meaning, like, I ain't had nobody, no spokesperson that I could just talk to, and they go and talk about it. So I said, well, you know, let me do podcasting. I can, I can voice my opinion. I can voice what I need to say. And it's going to help other people out. You know, so I, I really think them for that. And then my, my there was one that I was supposed to get. I never got the fourth one um, for, for a failure to report, which it wasn't no failure to report. Things just, communication was had failed. So, you know, I that that fell out out, out the window quickly. Um, and I eventually went on ahead and got out the military. Um, uh, questions, questions to answer. All right, and, and this is something that uh, this is stuff that people asked me while I was in. So I'm going to address the questions because I never talk or address these questions when people ask me. So I would address them here. Um, the question that somebody asked me was, "How do you feel about all of this?" And I and, and this is my honest feelings. I felt this was a form of injustice, but the part that made me, you know, the sickest to my stomach is how. No one on the legal side had my back, you know, and I'm going through um, JAG, not JAG. I was going through the um, the trial defense services and all that other stuff. You got to go, the legal people that they, Army tell you, you got to go through to do whatever. They ain't have my back, truthfully. I went in there with just to check the block, truthfully. And it, to me, that's all it is, is to check the block. Man, I see so many soldiers get derailed because nobody have your back and no mouthpiece, truthfully. And it was one. It was more of a check the block, you know. And I was legit telling the military lawyers that it was harassment because of them not liking me for whatever reasons, um, and this and, and that this was affecting me mentally as well as physically. You know, I didn't I didn't know what to do at, at the time. But what I do remember is that I would pray to God. Truthfully, I'm gonna give you all this for real. I remember I would pray to God all the time um, on my way home. You know, when I was dealing with a lot of stuff because the stuff it, it's not. If you got an auto 15, you know how long this stuff goes. Man, it can go for months, go for weeks, and all types of stuff. And I would pray to God, man, I would listen to my Christian, you know, my music, my Christian music, because I, I love Christian music. You know, and one, and one song that um, really stood out to me was by a guy named Reverend James Moore. 
um, he was he he was singing a song that um, God will take care of you, and I would listen to that song probably about two or three times a day, truthfully. And I, I remember praying. Praying really kept me, you know, reading my Bible and things like that. It kept me. And um, each each time I prayed, it seems like a burden was lifted off of my shoulders. Truthfully, I mean, I'm, I'm being honest, y'all. And I'm a Christian, and I know there's a lot of religions that people tell you that's out there, but I know just to be the facts, okay. And, and I can tell you, God is a way maker in all, in, in all the times of your life, whether it's good or bad, because he turned my situation into a bright one. You know, I got out of the military, and here I am. I'm able to um, voice my opinions and voice facts and talk about those things because I'm now in a position where I can talk about those things and address those things, and other people that might have went through this stuff can address that. And um, that's that's just me. And then... Um, Someone else asked me, you know, was I wrong with the matters or, or, or were I taking things wrong? And I've told them, I was, you know, here it is. I'm going to address that. I'm a firm believer and take responsibility for the things that you do, not for the things that you have not done. As far as me taking things wrong, that isn't the case in my situation. I didn't take anything wrong. I spoke facts, and that is something that I always see uh, a lot of people don't like. You know, when I addressed the situations that were going on and in, in my, during my, throughout my career, you know, of, 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 of this stuff. I addressed it. You know, I, I'm a man of my word. I could take responsibility for my action. Just like if this was to go and somebody felt in the, in the government to feel like they wanted to address this, I'm going to address it too. I'm going to address it and tell you how I feel about it. And I'm going to say what I got to say. I'm not going to back down, but I'm not going to disrespect you to the point where you feel that you did. Now, feelings is different. You can feel I disrespect you with me just walking in. Or me just talking to you. You can feel disrespected. But we're talking about facts. And I think a lot of people don't understand facts. Body language don't tell me nothing. A lot of people talking about your body language. Body language don't tell me. That's your opinion. That's how you feel. If you're fearful of somebody's body language, then you're fearful of their body language. That's what you need to say. But I ain't fearful of nothing. That's just me. You know? Um, But I will address and I will take responsibility for things that I've done, not things that I have not done. And, and that's what I had done in the military. I took... I had took some heat for some stuff that I didn't do. And in my leadership role or leadership position that I am now, if anything came down, I definitely would take responsibility for it because I'm a leader. That's what leaders do. I'm going to take it for for what it is. I'm going to take responsibility. Um, what would you tell black men and women if they were looking to go into the military? Glad you asked. You know, I would tell them, don't change who you are for any organization. Be black and proud. Watch your back and make the rank. Don't let the rank make you. Again, I'm going to say that right here again. Watch your back and make the rank. Don't let the rank make you. Don't let people talk down to you at all. Don't let people put you in situations you can't feel that you feel that you can't get yourself out of. You know what I'm saying? And 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 that's facts. Again, that's facts. I never was the type of person to ever let a rank make me. Rank don't make me. I make the rank. Because at the end of the day, once I'm done with that career, which I'm already done with, again, I walked away with my dignity. I walked away with who I am. I walked away with my name that's on my birth certificate, and that will be on my tombstone when I die. That's that's what I walked away with. And I always perceive myself as that guy. I really do. I, as my, my government name my parents gave me, that's the one I walked away with, and that's the one I will always have. No matter what, I don't. I don't need rank in front of my name. I don't need titles in front of my name to feel somebody be, feel like I'm somebody. I'm somebody regardless. I was somebody the day I was born. So, and guys, I'm I'm somebody. 
All right, so he created a great being, and that's what I'm going to be. I'm going to be a great being. I don't care what the world tell me, because at the end of the day, the world will bury me and not care about me. Right? The world going to do what they want to do. When I'm dead and gone, the world still going to talk about me, whether you put titles in front of it or not. And at the end of the day, I don't get mad at no, no title being in front or not in front, because I don't care. That don't make me. I'm a podcaster. If you don't call me podcaster, you want to call me preacher man, you want to call me David, that's, that's fine with me. Titles don't make me. Platforms don't make me. Facts make me. Moving on to the next one, before I, get, before I keep going. But anyway, how would you handle UCMJ if you were still in the military? That somebody asked that question. The same. The same way I have always handled it. I mean, through it all, I stayed the same and never changed. That bow down slave mentality isn't in me. I have also prayed about it many nights. And I know that, that <clears throat> they will get theirs at some point in their life. So, yeah, I'm going to leave it at that. But, again, I'm not going to change it. I stayed the same. I really did. I stayed the same. You know? It just kind of just took me off some off a of, off of record a little bit because I was, you know, trying to progress. But I stayed the same. I felt like giving up. You know? I felt, and, and the thing about giving up is I ain't no quitter. But at some time, it's just certain things that... I can't handle. I can't. I can't. I can't change you. I can't change your mind. You, your mind is set, and that's how you feel. So, at the end of the day, I wouldn't change nothing. Truthfully, I wouldn't change not a doggone thing. You know, matter of fact, I'm gonna say this part on here. I want to thank all of them, all of them. I want to thank all of them who gave me Article 15. I want to thank all of them who who slandered my name. All of them. They know who they are. I'm not gonna call them out. They know who they are. I want to thank them all personally. Appreciate you. Thank you. You made me better and stronger. And you made me realize that as I go forth the leadership, I don't want to be like none of you. I really don't. All the ones who lied out there, you showed me what a leader is. So I want to appreciate you. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. And I want to let you know I wouldn't change nothing. Do you feel, question, question again, do you feel that that needs to be changed to the UC, to uh, Uniform Code of Military Justice? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It needs major changes. Like when you decide to write that up, I know for a fact it, it, it wasn't no black man, whoever wrote this stuff up, wasn't no black man or black woman. I'll tell you that. You know? Black people wasn't probably sitting at the table. You know, it's like the Constitution. Wasn't no black people sitting at the table to make that Constitution. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't even made to protect blacks. Only people that it protected was the whites and the ones that created it. So, yeah. And since Congress approved UCMJ, I feel Congress needs to correct all the problems that was written in it. I will address the Constitution at some point in another podcast. So, when it comes to UCMJ, Congress approved it. They wrote their signature on it to say, yeah, this this will, yeah, this, this what's going to govern, this was going to govern everybody. So when I when I look at it, I, I wouldn't mind sitting at the table with Congress because there's a lot of changes I would make out of, in that thing. It don't make sense. Certain stuff just don't make sense, you know. And I, I and the standard it need to be a standard for all, from the from the lowest rank to the highest rank. One it need to be one for everybody, you know. Ain't no ain't no nitpicking on it. If I'm if I'm gonna do it for one black, I'm gonna do it for one white, and everybody else that's in there. All right, I'm not gonna make. Special privileges because you my you my boy. I know it's gonna hurt, but you my boy. If you didn't want to be put into a situation like that, and we that dang on tight, then we would put each other in that situation. I understand mistakes happen. I got that. 
So yes, I do feel that needs to be changed to UCMJ. I feel like Congress need to get back to the table, and we and and we meaning we meaning blacks need to be at the table too. And I'm talking about people like me who who have a mouthpiece who ain't scared to say what they feel. Not some people that's just gonna go up there because the president or whoever says, "Well, this is what needs to be done." Well, sir or ma'am, no, 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 that ain't right. That ain't right because this how it's gonna fall out. So yeah, I say that. I say that. I say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I will. I definitely, I, I definitely want to see changes, and I definitely want to, if I can, be a part of those changes because they need to be changed. Um, when I um. I had, I remember at one point I had addressed my first sergeant and I told him I was like, you know, uh, I took my first and I said, I feel like a slave in the organization. We do so much work as well as work late hours and we don't get paid for what we are worth. You know, when you're in the military, you don't get paid overtime. You don't get paid on overtime. You know, you get paid based off your rank. So you even you don't get paid even rank. Not more, not less. And as you go up, it's the same thing. Not more, not less. You gonna get the pay that you're supposed to get. So when you work overtime and you doing all these these duties and stuff, you get the same paycheck. You know, overtime. And um, when I had told him this, he he was like, "We are the battalion slave." This is my first time. He a white man. I'm a black guy. I'm a black man. We put like that. I'm a black man. So he said, uh, "He said we're the battalion slave." Then he told me, man, in his office. And I told him, I said, I would like to get out of this army because I'm no slave to no man. And if you saying this, I'm sure it's a general who thinks the same thing. And I was devastated. You know, we in the 21st century, and this is what I'm hearing. You know, this one against my beliefs, my morals, my values. You know, I don't, call, I don't look at nobody as a slave. You know, I don't, I don't do that stuff. And I understand slavery. You know, slavery was here, but at the same time, slavery me has so many different meanings from a biblical point of view. And people look at the Bible as, you know, I'm addressed that too in different podcasts as well, but people look at the Bible talking about where the Bible condoned it and said it's allowed. I'm like, no, you wrong. You know, people talking about what type of God. You wrong. Even God didn't want that stuff. He he told Moses to, let, to, to talk to Pharaoh about letting the people go. So I'm going to keep that right there. I'm going I'm to keep that right there. They can say what they, you can feel what you want, but go back to the Bible and read it in the Old Testament. I want to say it's in Exodus. And and Moses, you know, Moses will go. Eventually, God caused a plague because Pharaoh wanted to let the people go. So that just shows you the God that I serve don't want no no slavery. You know, and then and then I, I it's, it's, I'm going to tell y'all like this. Stay woke, Americans. Black and white, all, relig- all colors, all religions, all nationalities. Stay woke. We still live in a society where blacks are still looked at as slaves and nobody... And nobody's. We have to stop fighting each other and take care of each other because that's the only way we are going to face the, um, force the hand of people um, who are in high power and who are in the high places in this world. At the same time, I want to say um, thank you, God, for everything. Thank you for not allowing us to have to still be in plantations and do all the things that, that, that was done in the beginning. You know, as you brought the children of Israel out of slavery, so have you done it here in America. And, I mean, there's still people here in America that's enslaved, but as a whole nation, as blacks, we're not all enslaved. Um, and, and also, when I, I want to talk about this generals. You know, generals um, don't believe blacks should fight along whites. Um, general, general Edward, and I'm going to talk about one general in particular, and I'm, I'm almost done with this, this podcast. 
But it was a guy named uh, General L, um, General M. Arlen. Uh, he was a commander of X Corps and X. <clears throat> excuse me. And when we look at X, you know, I want to make sure everybody understand the Roman numeral. Um, um, excuse me. But anyway, the X stands for the number ten. I want people to understand it. The X stands for number ten. That's the Roman numeral. So wanted everybody to get that and understand. So the Tim Corps basically. The unit to which the second ranger company was attached, basically we're talking about the all black ranger regiment, um, was attached to Korea, was was one um was one. In nineteen fifty three, in a nineteen in a nineteen fifty three interview, Almond aired his views. And he was a general. When you say you have to have ten percent Negroes, and this is him talking, when you have to say you have to have ten percent Negroes in the army, you are lowering you are lowering the combat efficiency of the army. He went on to defend this when blacks and the black press seen this as racist comments. General Edward M. Allman was quoted saying, people that think being from the South, we don't like Negroes, not at all, but we understand their capabilities and we don't want to sit at the table with them. A division commander in Korea saw black and whites training together at Fort Chef in Kansas. He asked General Edward E. Allman why he refused to mix black troops into the um, all-white infantry battalions. The general claimed, this him talking again, the general claimed that blacks were incompetent, cowardly in combat, and so unreliable that they posed a danger to white soldiers. You know, this is how a general felt back in the early 1900s, early to mid-1900s, and what makes this sad is there, there, there are generals who believe this as well as those who hold high rankings throughout our military. Congress, courts, the government, and other organizations and jobs. I was told to stay in the military to make a change. That's what people told me, man, like ladies and gentlemen. And I went, I, 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 had, to, I had to defend myself. I told them, no, I'm only one man. If leaders can't can see the wrong and not make a change, then I know I can't make the change on my own. That's one of the reasons why I podcast. I love to voice my opinion as well as influence people. And give vital information. As you can see, that's what I do. What I will say is this. Any person who sits side by side with any organization or person that believes one race has less meaning, one race has less meaning, is as guilty as the people who believe that stuff. If you want to judge me, judge me by my work habits. Based on how I carry myself, as well as how much I respect you. My skin tone should not have a reason on why you treat me bad or good. You should treat me well because I'm human. Period. And I also, I believe, I have always treated people right. No matter what color. No matter what age. No matter what race. No matter what religion. No matter what disability or social status or sexual preference. None of that stuff really mattered to me. Because it's pointless. I was raised you work with everyone and you treat everyone with respect. And when I done a lot of this research, I mean, there's so much research. When I done this research, you know, it put me in a position to, to gain more knowledge and understanding and more wisdom so that I can, I'm able to do that with other folks. And what a lot of people fail to realize is you, there are a lot of organizations out here. You know, football Basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, 
I mean, everything that has high money and everything that has a big a, a hierarchy always seems to have the biggest problems. You know, in America, we 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 are where we always talk about poverty in other places. But when I when I view and I see and I go to other cities and other countries, I see how hard they work together. And America, we always talked about, man, we're a nation uh, together. And the truth is we're a nation that's divided. We're divided on so many things. we divided on politics, political status, Democrat, Republican, black, white, Chinese, Asian, African. I mean, social status. And the world that we live in has taught us this. They made us this way. And if I can if I could say one thing before I close, because I'm 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 done, y'all. If you're listening and you're a leader, if you're listening and you're a leader, if you made it this far and you're a leader, listen to what I'm about to tell you. Great leaders have their own mind. Great leaders make wise decisions. They don't make decisions based off of color, creed, religion, organizations you are part of. That that don't that's not a factor. What I'm gonna do for one, I'm gonna do for all. If I'm gonna lay my life down for a black man, I'm gonna definitely lay my wife my, my life down for a white man. If I'm gonna lay my life down for a man, I'm gonna lay my my life down for a woman and her kids. That's how it works. Great leadership. You don't have to tell everybody about They can see it. It's a reflection. If I always got to tell people about how great of a leader I am, maybe there's some things I'm doing wrong, and I need to address those things so that I can become better. Great leaders become great each and every day. Great leaders leave behind a great legacy, a legacy that's blazed for other leaders to follow. Great leaders, they don't hold information to themselves. They give it out to everybody around them. They give it to the lowest of the lowest ranks, to the highest of the highest ranks. They give it to their family. They give it to their children. They take care of their family. They take care of their children. Leadership is it's a word that I hold dearly. I've had great leadership. I had good leadership, and I've had the bad leadership, and I had worse leadership. I had all leadership. And one thing that I could take away from all of them is be yourself. Be who you want to be. Do the things that's necessary so others around you know that you have their back. I only, I, there's only a certain amount of people I know have my back in my career, throughout my military career. And there were people I had their back, whether right or wrong, whether good or bad. And there are a lot of people I work with that can tell you about my leadership capabilities. Not only about mine, but what influences I had on them to be great leaders. I always tell people, don't hold information for yourself. Give that information. Share it. I shared information with blacks, whites, Hispanics, Chinese, everybody. Everybody I came into contact with. When I look at my podcasting platform, I give my podcasting platform to everybody. If I see somebody in public, I'm going to tell them about it. About Frasier Chronicles. Because there's number facts. 
great facts, great inspiration, great influence. And this is where you can come to and find that. And that's what I want this to be. Like I said, I said what I said in this podcast. And I meant everything that I said about everything. As nothing I would change. Everything that I went through, and, and everybody out here has been through something. But everything that you've been through is, is, is helping you for the next rodeo in life. It's helping you to be able to help others. If you don't tell others what happened to you, then you can't help them. If you're afraid to, to admit sometime that you had some hiccups in life, you ain't no great leader because you're always going to be afraid of stuff. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to get your hands dirty. Don't be afraid to speak up when you need to speak up. Don't be afraid to address what you need to address. As you can see here, I address what I need to address, and I and I said to whoever I need to say it to. My next podcast will be out. It'll be sooner than later, and I feel that it's going to be a great, great podcast. And again, don't forget, you can email me at podcaster at frasierchronicles.com. Again, I'll say that you can email me again at podcaster at Frasier Chronicles, and that's the at sign, so don't put AT, at FraserChronicles.com. And I definitely, I'm, I'm going to address you. The guy that's speaking is going to address you. There's no, there's no, there's no administrative assistance. There's no administration. I'm going to address you. So if you have any comments, concerns, you can always send me an email. And I'm definitely going to write you back. I'm going to definitely say what I need to say. I want the involvement. I want opinions. I want to hear what you got to say. You know, um, again, um, make sure if you want also to um, subscribe to to my podcast on Spotify um, or Anchor or anything, you can always um, do set up a 99 cent. It's already set up for you, so you just click on it. 99 cent is the lowest. I think 9.99 is the highest. Um, but I, I I do, and I would like for you guys to subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. Um, no matter what color, no matter what religion you are, I would like for you to subscribe because I'm always bringing vital information. And again, all the money and the proceeds help me with my research and being able to travel around where I need to go to um, bring up or get more information that I might not have or more clarity that I might not have. So again, that's my time. I hope you enjoyed what you heard here. I hope that you could take what you learned here and apply it to your own lives and share it with other folks and get involved. Again, it's David, a.k.a. Preacher Man. I'm signing off.